Hi, this is Olivia Darbo, and you're listening to the FSF Podcast. The show that makes you wonder how we've been on the airwaves for two years. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 109. She'll know that when she puts on the red shirt and joins Black Widow and the Avengers to confront the alien menace, that she didn't leave her family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has her back and what's left of her handguns. <laughs> All right, so our guest today is an actress and a voiceover talent that's been entertaining people for some time. We're excited to talk with her, not just because of her work on shows like The Wonder Years and Star Wars Clone Wars, which is a big one for me always, but because she's also going to be coming as one of the featured stars at the Monroe Pop Fest here in Monroe, Michigan on September 16th and 17th. There are still tickets available. You'll be able to, uh, we'll put a link down in the comments below and you can get tickets to come meet her and say hello to the awesome Olivia Diabo. And we are so glad to welcome her here to the FSF podcast. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Ah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We are very excited to talk to you tonight. So Olivia, before we talk about Monroe Pops, anything super cool like Star Wars, because I'm a nerd, Mm -hmm. or anything else, uh, we're excited to talk to you about a couple of upcoming projects that you have that we'd Mm -hmm. like to our listeners and our viewers to know about. So if you would, take a few moments and walk us through your new upcoming projects. Uh, I believe one's called Traveling Light and the other one's called Bandit. Yeah, so Traveling Light is uh, already out in certain states. Um, I actually just got a a letterhead the other day from Bernard Rose, who is the director of the film. And uh, we did this film saying, you know, that it was going to be... coming out in some of the other major cities. So New York, it's come about to come out and uh, Minneapolis and Chicago. And so more more in the areas that you guys are, are in and uh, near near where the Monroe Pop Festival will be in. Um, it's, it's a great film. It's the first improvisational film that I have ever been part of. And uh, I felt very comfortable because I'd worked with Bernard Rose before. He's an amazing filmmaker, uh, both in the horror genre and uh, pretty much anything. He can do anything. Um, and uh, we were in great company with Danny Houston, who's also in the film, and Stephen Dorff, who uh, he, he, he plays my husband in it. And um Tony Todd, who's an exceptional actor, and um, nice. a whole other a slew of uh, really, really talented, uh, uh, amazing actors. And, you know, basically, I just got this phone call one day uh, in, in the middle of COVID, and, and, and Bernard said, you know, when I'm thinking of doing this film, you know, about, you know, COVID and, and how the very wealthy deal with it and the not so very wealthy, as well as the homeless, you know. And he's like, you know, this is your character that I'm thinking that that, that you're going to play. And I'm sort of thinking she might be a little bit like so-and-so, who is somebody that I knew. And I said, okay. He said, except the roles will be reversed. You'll play, you'll be her husband and she'll be he'll be playing you of the person that we knew who was a couple. And so that was kind of a little bit of a uh, thing I had to wrap my head around. Um, but, you know, it was an amazing experience. Uh, it really is about um, 
COVID, what transpired in Los Angeles during the onslaught of COVID and, and, and definitely when okay. we were in lockdown, how wealthy people, everybody was has been affected by COVID. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money, if you don't have any money, or if you're in the middle ground somewhere, it's really um, an improvised film about just emotionally what it brings up in everybody and, and uh how it affects people's thresholds and um, how they need to have escapism from it uh, and forget that it's not really there or the people that kind of can't escape it because they're not in in a, in, a, in a position to. But it's, it's actually funny. Um, it's suspenseful. And um, at times, you know, I mean, I'd say it's a little bit of a dark comedy, if you will. And I think luckily we've had enough time pass where I think viewers are ready to kind of see it in the right light. I, I think it would have been a little bit too soon if it had come out, you know, not too soon after we shot it, but I think we're in a different place now. It mm. was two years ago. So um, yeah, and it's got an incredible soundtrack and it's just a really, really well made film. And I had so much fun just leaning back on the experience that I've had as an actor for a number of years now, uh, just to trust that if you do all your homework and you know who your character is and you trust that you have the experience to have lines come out of your head, even though you don't know what they're going to be, uh, <laughs> that, that you're going to be okay. So it's a little bit like diving off a cliff, but you know there's a trampoline underneath you. And having a great filmmaker to work with and an amazing surrounding cast really supports that. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like a very interesting experience, especially, you know, when you're having to come up with your own lines, the improv aspect to me, I think for many people, you know, not having been part of that world, particularly, for me, that'd be like, oh, oh, so I, you want me to say that? Okay. Uh yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, that's what I would have thought is it would have been, it would kind of have gone like that. The thing is, is that because it all happened so organically with all of the actors that nobody was really sort of stepping on each other's lines. We were just sort of, you know, Bernard would say, okay, um, you, your call time is nine o'clock and you're going to arrive at this address off Mulholland. And, you know, Stephen Dorff is going to be in a closet somewhere in the house, so you're going to have to find him. And he's probably going to have a girl on his lap. So as his wife, it's your decision as to how you want to deal with it. <laughs> and I'm just oh, like, okay. oh, yeah. He's like, come makeup and hair ready. You want to wear the same outfit that you were wearing, you know, last week, because this is a, you know, this is the same evening. And, um, and I just drove to this house. This was the second scene that I did in the film. And, you know, I did have to kind of walk through this house I'd never been in. Uh, lo and behold, to find, you know, my husband. Uh, in the movie and you know we're having kind of a tumultuous relationship and he's an ex-addict but he's a recover you know he's a recovering addict but he's kind of fallen off the wagon and he's an ex-tennis player mm -hmm. and I'm our relationship is very um I would say codependent I just love him to death but you know it's a very real marriage and what I love about the film is the relationships mm. You know, these actors have all been in these kinds of relationships. So we kind of knew under turmoil and stress and pressure with COVID how it would, you know, evoke us to be a certain way, you know, because okay. we were really living COVID. It sounds exciting. It sounds interesting, though. I love yeah. the show up at this house, hair and makeup ready, wearing the same outfit you wore last week. That's. <laughs> and go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Something that I've never done before where I, uh, 
you know, it just trust. I mean, it's great at this stage in my career to have an opportunity to work with such fine actors and have it be about the experience rather than, you know, a paycheck or something that's going to maybe get extreme visibility. But this was really a, a, a great experience. So I think the viewers, people who will watch it in theaters will get that from okay. it. Now that was Traveling Light, correct? Yes. Excellent. All right. So uh, tell us a little bit about Bandit as well. So Bandit is a super cool, suspenseful, I would say, um, it reminds me a little bit of The Fugitive, you know, that film Harrison oh, Ford. Nice. It's, 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 it's on the run. It's very suspenseful. You know, Josh Duhamel is amazing in it. He plays the bandit, and it's actually a true story about uh, – it all takes place in Canada in the 80s, and this is a true story of this man who gets out of jail, and when he gets out of jail, he – gets a mate of his to sort of pick him up and take him across the border. And he doesn't have any money and he has to kind of start his life again. And he comes from a sort of a corrupt, uh, you know, family and his dad was, you know, a, a criminal. So he was like a juvenile delinquent. So he grows up to kind of be um, a bandit basically. And he decides to rob these banks and he gets away with, I think he must have robbed about, 250 banks, maybe 300 oh, wow. through Ontario and all through Canada. And what's amazing about what, the way he did it is he he got away with it because he was always in a disguise. Mm. You know, he found this kind of dress-up shop with, you know, he, he, he wears everything from clown suits to dressing up as women to, you know, looking like Burt Reynolds with a moustache to, uh, I mean, you name it, he covers the gamut. He's also in a relationship at about expecting a baby, so he's under pressure to make money. Um, I play Mel Gibson's wife, and Mel Gibson is a um, a bookie, an ex-boxer, and we kind of do our business, uh, our faux business as a strip club, but uh, what's really going on uh, behind closed doors is, you know, that he's a bookie, and uh, there's quite a lot of people who owe us money, so I'm the sort of uh, matriarchal bartender there, and I'm sort of there's a clan of us, you know, who all work together and we, um, we, we're running a business. So, so it's, so he and, uh, Josh Duhamel's character end up, uh, doing business together. And I sort of sauce Josh Duhamel out at the bar first, and then, uh, he and Mel get together. And so that's the relationship kind of between Mel and Josh, who's the bandit. And we're kind of, giving him money to go and rob these banks, then he has to pay us back. So we're like his loan sharks, so to speak, so that he can kind of rob these banks successfully. Interesting. Hmm. Ernesto Cabanel's in it. Alicia Colhart is in it, and she's wonderful. And um, there's a lot of new up-and-coming talent who, who you'll see in the film. And I hear it really, really turned out well, so I'm looking forward to seeing it on the 21st of September. But it's out in theaters on the 23rd. Fantastic. Awesome. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Both yeah. of those movies have very good casts in them. So. They sure do. And, you know, the thing about COVID that's interesting, I think, is that um, for a while there, I think, and I think it's still very much the same as we kind of reacclimate to this new, wo this new world that we're living in mm -hmm. that's changed at such a rapid pace. You know, we've had to be so malleable. And I think the movie business has had to be just as malleable. Think outside of the box. 
Um, a lot of what people are drawn to is escapism, right? They want to see Game of Thrones or those kind of shows that go back in time uh, so that it's 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 a journey. You know, they like journey films. Or what's great about Bandit is, is it was, uh, you know, in the 80s. And I think a lot of people, it's a nostalgic time. You know, it's when I shot The Wonder Years, for example. But the 80s in Toronto, there was a blackout and we used that. The whole, the whole of Canada was blacked out with no electricity for a substantial amount of time. So it's great to, for me, it's always been great as an actor to... Um, do period films so the 80s doesn't seem like it was that far away and we kind of remember it more for like the music we grew up with and and you know the shoulder pads and all of that but at this stage in 2022 or 2021 when we shot it it was uh it didn't seem that far away but yet it was like oh yeah that was a really long time ago sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) understood yeah a real a real like um yeah, it's just a, just a kind of a two a two sided coin, and uh, using Georgia for to to make it look like Canada was also a really super cool challenge, I think, for all of us, and and uh, we're sort of all dressed like bikers, really. Uh, it, the Mel Gibson and my character and our clan of uh, are, are sort of um, we have some guys, our henchmen who work for us, so we're Excellent. all yeah. yeah I'm is, looking forward to seeing funny. that. That sounds good. It is funny that eighties and nineties based movies have now become period pieces though. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, you know, um, the nostalgia I think is what is so popular right now. And understandably, I think that we need content that reminds us of where we came from or mm-hmm. where, when we were thriving so that we can have a rebirth, if you will, to continue on. I mean, that's sort of what our history how our history serves us, you know? Yeah, and, it is that uh, kind of, that going home to feel safe again, sort of. Exactly, you know, and there's yeah. this really super cool scene with me and Mel where we're in the bar and we're watching uh, Boy George singing, uh, you know, come, 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 And it's all, it's all the whole MTV thing when that was oh, started. Oh, that's so great. And it's so, so cool that we get to actually like a time capsule in a film cinematically cover how somebody like Mel Gibson's character, who's, you know, a, he's a, he's a bookie, an ex-boxer. He's looking at a guy like Boy George thinking, you know, who is this guy in a dress, you know? And of, yeah. um, of course it's totally normal now um, for some people and, and it's socially acceptable. And, and if you said anything, uh, au contraire about it you'd be kicked out of the place uh-huh. <laughs> so so um historically it's just interesting to see how he, how we've captured human behavior you know for example in this film and the span of time of 30 years or so that that how we've evolved since then mm-hmm. so, so i think that's one of the cool aspects of the film as well that's really cool so thinking about going back and one of the questions that we like asking a lot on this show is about your backstory. So what is your origin story? What got you into the performing arts and what keeps you going as an artist? Quite a few things. I think luckily I was born into a very creative, uh, I wouldn't say showbiz family, but I mean, I suppose ultimately my dad was a musician, singer, songwriter in a really famous rock band. And my mom was a model and she did these movies like uh, Hard Day's Night and 2001 Space Odyssey. And my dad 
wrote some really great songs like Build Me Up Buttercup and uh, for the foundations. And um, Oh, cool. I love that song. And, uh, yeah, it's a great song. And um, Handbags and Gladracks for Rod Stewart, uh, who I just saw in concert. He was amazing. He's 78 and he's like, he looks exactly the same, sounds exactly the same. So energetic, so energetic on stage, so lovely. I did a sp- spectacular tribute to the Ukraine, you know, on one of the songs. So he's mm-hmm. like a, a very, very uh, socially aware guy as well as, um, you know, singing his greatest hits. And then lo and behold, he he ended up singing Handbags and Glad Rags. So I, was, I got kind of weepy and I, I I videotaped it. I was with my cousin and we sent it to my dad, you know, because we thought Aww. he'd kick out of it. Um, so... Those were my parents, and uh, you know, I, I the thing that gave me the bug really was seeing my dad on stage when I was about four years old, four or five, actually seven. He was doing a show called Gulliver's Travels, um, and I've I've told this story many times, so I don't I don't want to sound redundant for those who've seen other interviews that I've done. But what gave me the bug is because he was my dad, and you look up to your parents until mm-hmm. they're taken off the pillar. <laughs> which may or may not happen. Um, hopefully it doesn't. But, um, you know, he was playing Gulliver's Gulliver and he came through the exit doors and shining an apple on his lapel. And he started walking up on stage and it was my seventh birthday party. And I was there with all my friends and my grandmother. And I I just got out of my seat and walked right up with him, following, it, I, following him <laughs> up upstairs on the stage. You know, didn't think anything of it. And he's like, no, oh, you've got to, you've got to sit down. This whole audience here, we're doing a performance. And I was like, I, I want to be up here, Daddy. I want to be up here with you. <laughs> and I, I want to be in the play too. And I was looking out at all these people, just like, wow, this is incredible. And look at all my friends and his grandpa. And he's like, I'll bring you up after, but you've got to go sit down now. And I was like, okay, you know, sat through the whole performance. <laughs> was totally mesmerized and um literally he did bring me and all my friends up on stage afterwards but i think it was that's what planted the seed for me because it was just a spiritual experience seeing a parent play a character entertain these people lots of laughter from the audience and just seeing that give and take immediacy that dance that you get from live theater so that's what kind of made me decide to be an actor. I was studying at the Royal Ballet, so I was getting dance training. And uh, my first show that I did was at the Albert Hall, a thing called Me and My Teddy Bear. A bunch of little girls with their big teddy bears sort of dancing around the stage. That gave me, that enhanced the bug. And um, then when I got to Taos, New Mexico, it was about nine. We moved there from England and I just started participating in school plays um, then in junior high, we moved to LA and I started participating in Shakespeare contests and got an agent, did a McDonald's commercial and, and then, you know, got cast in my first film at 14. So that's kind of how it went. That's very cool. Yeah. So we all have a little piece of something that we all hold dear to our hearts. What is something that you like to hold dear to your heart or a project that you have worked on that is just really close to your heart? Well, uh, the thing that I hold dearest to my heart is family. Uh, Family is everything, especially through this experience of COVID. I think uh, I hadn't seen my family for three years and it was really hard. 
And when wow. I did see them all, um, and I flew back, my uncle actually wasn't well, and he was uh, had. I got back there ten hours before he passed, um, but I knew I had to get back there to pay my respects to him, and that's very important to me as a person to, if there's people who've shown up in your life that you have to give back and you have to let them know what an impact they had on your life and that they've left a legacy behind in you and their impression in you. And and that's therefore had a part of what gives you your character and what choices you make as a human being from there there on out. Um, So family is everything. And um, your word, one's word is everything. If If you can't hold somebody worthy of their word, then, you know, what do you have? So, you know, that's really important. I think uh, integrity, honesty, and uh, and a great sense of humor. And, um, you know, the wonder years is something I'll always, will always ring true for me uh, and had a huge influence on, 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 because I grew up on that show. So the people around me, they're, they're kind of like my second family. So I would consider that within the topic of what we're discussing, uh, just all of the experiences uh, that we shared and the lessons on set on the episodes as well as offset, you know, how we all had had each other's back and still do. And uh, that's, for me, that's honor. Mm, that's that's awesome. honor, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Love that. All right, so Olivia, prior to doing the research uh, for this interview, I was unaware of the extensive back catalog work that you had in the voice side of things. Now, I was aware of, of Star Wars Clone Wars, your work with, there with with Luminara, uh, Unduli, and, and as the Jedi Master. But mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool as I was going through this. I saw that there was Star Sapphire for DC. There was oh, yeah. Black Black Widow for Marvel. There's uh, You had roles on Invader Zim. There's Medal of Honor, Elder Scrolls. And I could keep going and going and going, yeah. but there's so much there. So in addition to your... your uh, your on-screen acting performances. What is it about voice acting that you enjoy and how did you get into voice acting? Oh, well, that's such a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I got into voiceover about 20 years ago, which is a really a good time because uh, not many actors were actually thinking, oh, you know, I want to try this out. And I was with an agency at the time called Special Artists and I um I'd I'd always been good at doing characters and voices doing mimicry and dialects you know luckily I was born with and I got that from my dad uh, from the Darvis side of the family and the only way that I would ever get a word in edgewise actually was to mimic somebody because Darvos my family we all talk at the same time and it's because <laughs> either we have serious ADD or something but we're all so worried that we're gonna like forget what's on our mind that we all just start talking at the same time like oh, I want to tell you what happened to me yesterday oh really what do you want let me tell you what no don't tell you me 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 you know and so nice. I go like how am I gonna get how am I going to slice this pie? So, you know, I'd say, oh, I can do Auntie Betty. Oh, well, hello, my name's Auntie Betty, you know, and I'd start <laughs> doing my impersonation of Auntie Betty at the table. It's not funny, everybody. And they'd say, yeah, that, that actually, that's really, I'd suddenly hear silence. And they go, do you know what? That's... That's bloody good. Well done. <laughs> you know, so it's like I won some points. There was some silence. I got to get a word in edgewise. That's kind of <clears throat> what got me into mimicry, dialects, um, 
and that sort of thing. And also because I thought being an artist, a voiceover artist, an actor, a musician, um, I paint, you know, I do, um, I, I love anything artistic. And so I think as an artist, it's sort of very important that you're well-rounded because ultimately it just makes you a better artist and you will therefore have a long a longevity to your career. And I found through voiceover acting, the more of it that I did and the more challenging things that were handed to me, like, you know, Minnie the Spoon. I went to Hanna-Barbera and they gave me a list uh, with pictures of animated characters that were inanimate objects. And so I had to give, like, Minnie the Spoon, who's a spoon, you know, a voice that spoke to me to bring her alive and you know or a 12 year old prepubescent boy you know like so like kind of like talk like that for my life. <laughs> you've heard my nephew okay all right so um it, 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 you know what i discovered which is so cool uh, about it and fulfilling is that um i realized that the epicenter of where a character comes from is um it, that's a choice that you make. And when you do voiceover acting, it's just your voice. So you have to find every single way you can bring that character alive without facial expressions, but from your voice. And so it, it just was a great challenge. And ultimately it helped me, I think, become a better actor because I've now approached my acting with all of that experience of, of voiceover work, you know, where oh, it's just given my voice more more gravitas, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. So with the, the voiceover and the not getting typecast, because you have so many different options, you have so many different talents at your on your plate that you can do. You can do screen acting, you can do stage acting, you can do music, you can do voiceover. You have managed to not be typecast in any of your roles from what I've looked at, which is spectacular. But are there any of your roles that you'd like to revisit at another stage in that character's life? Yes, definitely Amanda Rogers from Star Trek, uh, because she is such a pure soul with clairvoyance. So I love that I've somehow attracted, you know, characters like Luminara, who's a Jedi and uh, Amanda Rogers, who's clairvoyant and she's accused, so she's got these omnipotent powers. I think any of the characters that I've played that are clairvoyant for me, you can go back to them because they're always going to sort of have that kind of same fiber that will ignite uh, something really fun and exciting to play. You know, it's just there's always more choices because, uh, you know, you're just tapping into that there are the worldly, so they have all of these. Uh, there's more space for those kind of people. I mean, I, if you've met people who are a little bit psychic or clairvoyant or they have a special power or sixth sense, you meet them and there's a there's something different about them, which really intrigues me. So I would say Amanda Rogers, even though she was a sociopath, she was also kind of <laughs> otherworldly, but Nicole Wallace definitely uh, just because she's such a brilliant, smart, she's 10 steps ahead of everybody else and uses, because she's a sociopath, I think that those kind of people are born with um, almost like it's the equivalent of like a cue, really. They've got that sixth sense, so they have the ability to 
be 10 steps ahead of you, finish your sentences for you, read read everybody in the room while saying nothing, but already knowing how things are going to end. And yeah. so that's fun to play. And she's a woman and um, she's powerful. So I like I like I liked that role very much. I loved Jane and Kicking and Screaming. I'd love to revisit her, <laughs> uh, you know, just because Noah Baumbach's so fun to work with and Josh Hamilton and Parker Posey, like all, all the Eric Stoltz, those guys were all amazing. It was his first film. And uh, she was very, a sweet character, very brainy, kind of nerdy mm-hmm. character for me. And and I think <laughs> um, uh, Garthette in Wayne's World 2 would be so fun to to, to revisit. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's such a naughty in a naughty place. You know, she's <laughs> kind of got this like overbite, which I kind of used my own overbite. And, you know, she just was so in love with Garth. Oh, God, I love that. You know, like, like her hands in her pockets and just kind of like... <laughs> So are you coming back to the permit office, you know, <laughs> kind of got this thing going and, you know, th- those kind of roles, it's like you can't dream them up and those opportunities, right. uh, you know, hopefully will still continue to come. Um, I mean, they sort of are, but, you know, as one gets older and life changes, you know, you keep drawing new new things to you that are still mm. within your essence but um it, you know it changes actually i think it gets better it's exciting because you're a deeper person you've got more wisdom so you've got more to say as an actor but those it's are the ones i think i'd love to revisit it's funny when i was preparing that question amanda rogers was actually one of them that i'm like that would be a fun throwback yeah, that yeah, would yeah. Be fun to go back to for sure for exactly. sure she's crazy yeah and she's an orphan, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's great to get the opportunities to play these people that, that we meet every day and, and say, oh, I'm going to take a little bit of her, uh, you know, because I sat down with her for a 20 minute conversation once and I may never see her again, but she had an impact on me and, mm-hmm. and for actors, that's very important. And so we need as much experience as we can to draw from, to regurgitate back into our work. So I don't know if you've noticed, but we absolutely love stories. And (laughs) one of the stories that we love to hear are the stories that happen on set Mm -hmm. that are specific to our our guest. So what was either something that you thought was amazing at how it was filmed or a funny moment that has just really stuck with you? Well... I remember Kurt Douglas in Greedy uh, having so much fun in his wheelchair that he ran a couple of people over for, for real to say it's kind of got in the way. And, you know, and he was pretty irreverent about it. He was like, ah, get out of the way. Ah, it's too bad I hit you. I told you, get out of the way. Ah. You know? They were warned. And, uh, and, and then on one particular occasion, I was on his lap in the wheelchair before we were going up on the you know, the, the lift, you know, when I was, when Michael J. Fox and I were really like in that tete-a-tete and it was like, who's going to get Uncle Joe's money? And everybody thought that I was after his money. But in actuality, at the end, you find out that I wasn't. But in that particular scene where I'm in that ridiculous costume that's like the mesh under, with a bikini underneath it, you know, I, I, I say, let's go upstairs and everybody kind of drops there. So I get on his lap and... and, and I got on this thing and and this I didn't never I never knew 
a wheelchair could go so fast. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I mean, it was, he was flooring it like he had his, you know, his foot to the pedal. And it, I swore we were going 100 miles an hour. And he's like, yeah, we're going to run over crafts and services. Ah, get out of the way. Go bad, I tell you. Get out of the way. That's his fault. Go bad. You know, we got some casualties today. Um, that was really a memorable moment because it was, um, uh, you know, unfortunate for the people who might have got injured, but kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, sucks to suck. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you know Conrad tells you to get out of his way, you get out of his way. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Speeding man in a wheelchair tells you to move, you move. It's you, yeah. if you don't, that's I've had you. my I've had my foot run over by a wheelchair. It does not feel good. No, like, it's it, it's you absolutely get out of the way. Not, you do, you do, you know, and you you almost like feel how it would feel before the actual it, it, before you become a casualty of that wheelchair so so uh -huh. yeah but but some people <laughs> didn't move out of the way quick enough there you go. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor since 1982 vital signs and graphics has been helping professionals with all their image logo and design needs perhaps you're looking for signs and banners truck and trailer lettering business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. Welcome back to the FSF Popcast. All right, Olivia, I got a quick question for you about Star Wars because I, as I've dropped little hints here and there, I'm a mm -hmm. huge Star Wars fan. Yes. Um, and now I, I'm great. I'm not at my normal recording studio today, but if I were, there's a, behind me is a massive backdrop of Funko Pops and other Star Wars memorabilia and all the things that I've collected over the years. Mm -hmm. um, so now in the Clone Wars and the Rise of Skywalker movie, you gave voice to Jedi Master uh, Luminara Unduli. Yeah. Um, now, so my question is, and I always like to ask this to people who were involved with Star Wars, were you a fan of the franchise before you started working in the franchise? And if so, what was your entry point into the fandom? Well, I, I was a fan, both my brother and I were fans of um, both Star Trek and Star Wars. And uh, I think definitely by the time Empire Strikes Back came out, and, you know, as a kid, you, you, just get the message that, you know, good versus evil, you know, it, it, it's the same thing mm -hmm. really with Star Trek. With Star Trek, it's, you know, the both franchises very much have that that message embedded in, in, in it, it, it's like a Bible. And, um, you know, I would go to school and, you know, kids would have lifesavers, lightsavers, uh, sorry, I always, always say lifesavers, like it's a lifeboat. <laughs> um, right. Uh, but... So and you know Halloween would come and you know it would be it would, everything was Star Wars so it was it was unavoidable and I just I loved Princess Leia I just thought she was the bee's knees um, I sure. loved she wasn't a typical princess but she was a very grounded very smart brainy uh, sassy 
woman, young woman who 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 was a fighter, you know, and and she could just take on anybody. So, you know, that very powerful influence to to a young female was was very much because of um, Carrie Fisher for me, uh, and. Uh, you know, obviously James Earl Jones playing Darth Vader and, sure. and uh, you know, uh, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford, just all, uh, Chewbacca. I just I just wanted I just wanted to take Chewbacca home. It was it was <laughs> he was just the most he was like Bigfoot, huge, not necessarily adorable in size, but but adorable. Do you, you do want to cuddle him? Like you want to cuddle him? <laughs> like a muppet or something. Um, I just—I'm not sure who did his voice, but it was—it was bang on and uh, so memorable and and embedded in all of our childhoods uh, spirit. So um, yeah, I by, by the time that that that's kind of how I got um, on board with. Uh, being obsessed. Yeah, I like it. No, that's good. Um, I, you know, for me, I always tell this that 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 uh, Empire Strikes Back is my all time favorite movie. So I'm always, oh yeah. So I'm always excited when somebody says, "Oh, my entry point was was Empire," and I'm like, "Ooh, we got another." All right, there yes, we go. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I, something about that film. I think it was the landscapes and you know just the Ewoks and just. It was all of the, you know, each film would churn out another new character's little, you know, tribe of band of, you know, little mouse looking koala bears or, you know, the the, 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 the jazz trumpet, the jazz yeah. quartet. I thought those guys were super cool. Um, I just thought it was so innovative and uh Talk about a you know, journey, experience movie. You go and you just get taken away, complete escapism. And then, and just being in space, who doesn't want to be in space? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great answer. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with, with the Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, because that yeah. was the same for me. I have always, always loved her. And then with the Obi-Wan series and then bringing in the young Leia and realizing how much young Leia is like my daughter. I'm like, oh, yeah, my my almost four year old is going to grow up to be a general. I'm sure of it. Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, it's interesting. I think in the in the the 70s, the 80s, when these films were, you know, coming out, uh, you know, really important time for a a young girl to see uh, an idol like Carrie Fisher, who her personality came first rather than her beauty. I mean, she happens to be a very beautiful woman uh, uh, and was always beautifully dressed in those films, but it was her sass and her her intelligence and her wisdom and her how grounded she was right. and how strong she could keep up with all the fellas and... Uh, you know, yet she was a gal, you know, and so that was really um, very pivotal for me when I saw that. It was like, oh well, I can be like that too. And yeah, it's personality first, especially when you're about to hit puberty or right. hitting. You know, you need we need those role models. They're 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 very very important for both women and men. Yeah, definitely. So talking about role models and advice. Like I said, I have an almost four-year-old. She loves 
to play pretend. Sometimes she's a princess. Sometimes she's a Jedi. Uh, this afternoon, she was a pirate with a ukulele, which was pretty great. Um, sometimes the, the living room floor is suddenly made of lava or she turns on um, lasers in our kitchen. Like she, there's, there's suddenly like a laser grid across the kitchen floor and you have to bounce over those. And she's amazing. She's absolutely a wonder of a child. And I don't want to squash that creativity. But instead, I am trying to find every way to encourage her. So what advice would you give to other potential actors, musicians, and creatives in general that looking back, you wish you had known from the beginning? I was always a very curious kid, and it sounds like your daughter is. I was never afraid to constantly ask questions, no matter if people rolled their eyes and thought I should know that already, or I just wanted to know what everything is. And I'm still like that because, you know, I'm still living, I'm still growing, I'm still evolving, and I'll be that way till I take my last breath. So I think for kids, and whether you're a kid and you become an actor or whether you're a young actor aspiring to choose that as your field, I think there's a boldness and a curiosity and a whimsical childlike thing that you never want to let go of because that is what you require to to to, to have a successful career to book jobs to uh, ultimately have the, this choice of a career which is a difficult it's a difficult um business to enter into but if you can not take things too personally and stay amused and curious and oh you know what I didn't get that job and it wasn't about that they rejected me it's because I stood in my truth and I gave my um my authenticity and my my in, uh, just my personalization of how I saw the character then you can never be let down because you can't say oh well I did what my coach told me to do or I know that they're looking for this kind of type so i'm going to play into that no always stay true to the first intuition and feeling that you get about um the first hit you get when you read something or um somebody that impresses you you know that's genuinely they're affecting you like they're touching your soul you know and kids are like that too like oh i i want to be like so and so that's where idols come from right um and I think that we can be idols to other people if we're people like your daughter is, you know, setting things up in the living room. And, you know, though it requires us to adapt and walk, trod, trod, tread on things a little bit more carefully, or maybe the living room's a little bit more messy, <laughs> so be it. You're giving her the freedom to relish and exercise her uh, spirit and her uh, sense of self, and you're um, you, you're cheering her on. You're supporting her. I think kids need to be told they're right more than they're wrong uh, in little ways. You know what I mean? If somebody's really your kids, really obviously needs a telling to mm-hmm. have to do that too. But I think it's so important with kids as you're raising them in whatever profession they want to go into to encourage them and to say nice things even if there's just even little things that they do it's like that was really a great thing that you said to mrs so-and-so or i really liked how you listened to that you know because um that make it just makes a huge difference and, and it gives them confidence and 
in this day and age, the more confidence we have, the better the better suited we are for this world, I think. And, and yeah. for any Excellent. occupation we, we, we enter into. I really agree with that. The more confidence you have, the more you are equipped for this world because this world is going to try to smash every ounce of confidence out of you. Yeah. And if you, you need to make sure that you start out with a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, you do. And, you know, you also need to, um, with the confidence, you know, you can start off with a... <clears throat> a lot of confidence and then also be one of those people that some if you're an incredibly sensitive person like i am i'm very sensitive but i'm also very strong and so there's this constant dichotomy going on i've had to really work on um not taking things personally mm -hmm. and just kind of sloughing them off well you know that didn't happen it's kind of you know have a sense of humor about it make the positive choice rather than the negative choice that might ultimately put you in a more self-deprecating light. Do you see what I mean? So yeah, definitely. I like learn how to be my own best friend <laughs> that way. Yeah. I go, well, you know, what's going on right now is a choice. It's really about everything's about energy, you know? So if you, um, if something is, uh, there's this discrepancy that's occurred or something that's kind of, you could react very like, Wah! you know, rather than that, you, <laughs> you have a choice. To react like, right. Or, or uh, okay, well, I'm going to sort of sit and think about this for a while and see how it percolates. And once I calm down, then I will get in the ring with you. But I need to be calm first. Do you, do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. if I'm calm first, then my calmness will reflect on your mood and then we can work it out. You have a better chance of working things out if both people are as combative. Yeah. Good. Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a Facebook group. It has over 200,000 members in it. And wow. it is just filled with memes, jokes, fun facts, interesting crossovers, large variety of things. And sometimes it has to do with music. So what would be your life's theme song? Uh, my life's theme song. Wow, that's a that's probably the, one of the greatest questions. Um, like you said, go with your first instinct. Yeah, yeah. There's a, the first one I was thinking of is um, a song that I wrote on my Not TV album called A Ne'er Do Well, which is, which is a person who, it's a French word, it's an underdog term about a person who's... Um, maybe not necessarily seen as being uh, capable of completely getting there, but, you know, ultimately succeeds, you know, however many obstacles that are thrown uh, upon me, you know, it, it, it's almost like, uh, like I got a light lightsaber and I'm kind of like, oh, <laughs> got that one, got that one, oh, no, I'm not here, you know, like right. a different direction, like, unstoppable you know you can be you know a fine like a like a like a like a like a diamond a rough diamond in the works you know mm -hmm. but you're the one who has to get yourself there and um your parents can do you know they can set you up before you leave the nest and they can give you great advice and you meet people along the way and sometimes you get off your path but it's up to you to get back on your path and that comes from um not being afraid to be alone you know to thine own self be true how you treat others is a de de 
very specific reflection on who you are and um you get you get what you give you give what you get that's just i'm getting very philo- philosophical now but um that song <laughs> comes to mind and uh and uh, also uh frank sinatra's i did it my way it's a classic uh, classic yeah. song you know because it, it can be sang by a woman or a man really you know right. and i think think ultimately you know like when you take your last breath you want to know that you kind of did do it your way because if like for example i'm i'm in the people pleasing business so for quite a number of years before i uh, really fully grew up into my 20s and had my son and when i was like 26 i had uh ostensibly um pleased directors and writers and other actors and makeup artists and you know it's it's it, it you yes sir no sir but when i finally got the opportunity to be pregnant uh give my body up for nine months uh, and reflect on who i am today without actually having a job every other month or whatever i actually grew tremendously and um it changed me and it really gave me a, a different sense of maturity that I think I've had before. And then I did start to do things my way. You know, mm-hmm. I had more of an insight as to who I really was, aside from what role that I might be playing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, Excellent. It's, it's fun how being a mom can suddenly change your outlook on everything, including yourself. Absolutely. And I think, and you may, or I, I think you'll agree with me on this, is that unconditional love is a different kind of love than you know it's 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 like if you have a dog or a cat you know having a child that it, it, the love is so deep that you as a parent it's almost like our children don't belong to us you know they belong to the world that's why I mean, mm-hmm. we our job is to rear them and then they leave the the, the nest and that can be a, it can be a sad thing or it can be a joyous thing because they always come back Mm-hmm. Um, and we're prepping them to get ready to be the best that they can be so they can kind of fly and and be free and and and, and have this joy to vive in their life, you know, with just great morals and, um, you know, just embedded in them. And, and so that infrastructure is our job as a parent to provide for them. But, uh, yeah, I... Uh, unconditional love I really experienced for the first time with my son and I'm glad that it happened in my 20s because it gave me a different message in terms of who I was and and what I had to give not only to my son but in my field and to myself you know it's a very um giving just being a mother it's being a parent is is nothing I can compare it to it's a very deep part of procreation you know in life do you feel just as a personal question do you feel like in the the process of becoming a mom i mean you mentioned giving up your body for nine months to grow this child happily oh it's the best i'm like just give me a turkey burger with cheese you know (laughs) i'll take two and two french fries right no problem okay I can, I, you know, I don't have to skip a meal right now. It was, it was really, um, a joy and, uh, and yeah. So. But do you think in that giving up your body and then learning who you are as a parent, did you have that stage where you go from them being 
completely dependent on you to then like the, that transition into starting to be kids where you suddenly have more free time and you have to then relearn who you are outside of being a mom. That is the weirdest transition. That is the weirdest transition. And I completely, especially, you know, you're you're a a very young woman. And so you have a four-year-old. So that's that's what's so great about being a mom. And also being a mom is great at any age, you know, it's just just the experience of it. But what I really discovered in my 20s is exactly what you're talking about is that I hadn't really... It's like we grew up together. Mm-hmm. And so that was so special to me because it just, in a, in a way, it just, you have a, a closer relationship because you have each, you know, you've just been through, you're so close, you know, you're closer in age and you're also closer just in terms of things that you're still able to do together. Yeah. Um, finding out who I was through him, um, he made me a better person because of the love, the unconditional love that I have for him. Um, I will always strive to be the best I can, even if I think, oh, I'm doing pretty good right here. You know, no, there's always more because mm-hmm. they're always watching us, you know. Oh, yeah. Always, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're That's 90. Sure. They're always, you know, <laughs> we're always going to watch our parents because we, we hold – we're holding a candle to them, you know. There are, there are, there are idols, really. They're on a pillar, and um, so if if there's really the love and the respect that there should be with child and parent, uh, it's it's a really cool thing, you know. Mm-hmm. They bring us into the, we bring them into the world, and and they, they, uh, one would hope take a, you know, say say goodbye to us as we tran- tran- transition. Not to be too morbid, but you no. know. No, no I love that. It's just it's yeah. the facts of life. It's the way it works. Yeah. The facts of life. <laughs> exactly. All right, Olivia, we're at a point in our show where we like to take our guests through a little bit of a quiz. Okay. And so this is a quiz about Olivia Diabo. And we call it, this quiz, Olivia and Out. So it's four questions. Each question is multiple choice. Okay. Now, if you get three of the four questions correct, we would like to send you the book that... Kathleen. One of these, two, one of these two is going. There it is. Thank you, Kathleen. That Kathleen is holding up. It's called Custodians of the Cosmos. I'm still here. Oh, right on. I love it. I love it already. Is it like science fiction, like, cosmos, and like? Yeah. So it's written about a young man who wanted to join something quite like Starfleet, but not Starfleet because you know legal reasons. And uh, so uh, he washes out. He rejoins and to boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went. He's a custodian. So, yeah. We'd like to send you that book. Oh, thank you. That's so tack from Invader Zim, except she wasn't a custodian. She was a janitor. And that's why she was so... That's true. There you go. I mean, I'm not so, yeah. aware, but she's she's very angry. There you go. <laughs> so if you, get, if you get three of those questions correct, we'll send you that book, okay? Okay, all right. All right. Now, if you get two or less questions correct, Nick mentioned our Facebook group earlier that's just full of memes. We'd like to take your picture, make a meme out of you, and put you into our Facebook group. I'd love to be a meme. Yeah, we call <laughs> we call it our fun sequence. Okay. All right. So yes. if you agree to those terms, Nick will ask start asking questions. Okay. Hopefully, I will. I will. I'll do my best. Let's go. There you go. What is mentioned at nearly every dinner scene of the Wonder Years? Is it a a pot of coffee? B 
a loaf of bread, or C, some kind of potato dish? Some kind of potato dish? That is correct. Ah! <laughs> Makes sense to me. I'm pretty sure potatoes are a daily occurrence. Yeah, I'm so there you go. <laughs> All right, question number two. Luminara Undali's only line in The Rise of Skywalker is A, avoid the dark, you're a Skywalker. B, the light, find the light, Ray. Or C, you can bring balance to the Force. B. That is correct. The light, find the light. Uh, every actor has to find their light. <laughs> I love her. She's so I I remember I'm not meaning to name drop, but um when I was in the Star Wars Santa Monica studios with the with the director and he was he was literally like whispering in my ear like each you know line to say and I and I just and 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 he's like okay you know try a different version try you know do and it just kept evolving and escalating and, and it was just such a magical experience. Uh, so yes, I remember, I remember that like that line, like it was, and it wasn't that long ago, maybe two and a half years ago. Yeah. Mm. Not that long for sure. Yeah. All right. You're two for two. Which was your major film debut? Was it Bolero, Conan the Destroyer or not my kid? Conan the Destroyer. That is correct. All right. Well, that gets you the book. Oh, awesome. And question number four for funsies. Funsies. In Batman Beyond, your character, Ten, yes. was a part of what gang? Joker's Jesters, Royal Pain, or Royal Flush? Royal Flush. That is correct. Yeah. Four for four. Go. So, yes, we will send you a copy of this fantastic book. custodians of that. Cosmos. I love it. I love you already, it. You already told me that you love cheese, and there is a lot of cheese in this Cheese? Book. Love it. Like space cheese? Um, they're called Lactarians. It's a cheese-based religion. Okay. <laughs> I'll be sure to look up that chapter and think of you. There you go. Like, because you have taco on your cheese yeah. on your taco. Yes. So, so there's a correlation there. I, I would love that anytime somebody has cheese that they think of me. Uh, okay. I know that at least for those who are not lactose intolerant, that will be a happy thought. Exactly. There could be much re happy. worse reasons for somebody to think of you. So, <laughs> Olivia, thank you so much for being on our show today. Where could our listeners go to find out more about your music and other things that you have worked on? Well, so I, my website is www.oliviadaba.net. Um, I have, uh, you can sort of stay updated on anything that I have coming out and look at reels and comedy reels, <clears throat> keep updated on my music. I'm doing a new album right now. So, uh, you can get my other album on cdbaby.com. Um, and my new one coming out is like a prog rock kind of folk funk Brit rock album, which is going to be amazing. I'm on Twitter. Uh, uh, Olivia Darbo at Twitter and Olivia Darbo on Instagram. So that's where you can find me. And I and I love my fans and I quite interactive apparently with my fans. I I love you know the 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 give and take of uh, answering questions and just you know it's kind of like a like a coming like a like a real family. So it's cool. I'm loving it. 
Now, other than Monroe Pops coming up next month on, on September 16th and 17th, you have another convention you'll be working at shortly as well. Which one is that? That would be the Star Trek Creation Show, which is in Las Vegas. And uh, that's coming up uh, on the 26th through the, sorry, the 25th through the 27th. Okay. That's when I'll be there. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll make sure all those notes go down below. Uh, and we'll get put those in our show description so our listeners can check those out. We also want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help us to continue to grow and to get more amazing guests like Olivia Diabo here to have these conversations and these moments for us all to laugh at, these funny moments for us to enjoy. So please subscribe. It helps out more uh, than we can ever really tell you. And please make sure that if you have a chance, go see her in, in Las Vegas at... Uh, at the Star Trek convention. Also, uh, Monroe Pops here in Michigan, at just outside of Detroit, Michigan, in Monroe, on September 16th and 17th. And check out Olivia's work on her website as well and her social media. You will not be disappointed by that. But if, for whatever reason, you were disappointed with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That's Melanie Walker, or as she is better known, 10 of the Royal Flush Gang. Sure, she's part of a crime family, but this supervillain isn't against brandishing her own form of justice. Her and the other members of the Royal Flush Gang, if she chooses to use them, will need three copies of your complaint. One for Melanie, one for bragging rights, and one just in case Batman takes it away from them. But rest <laughs> assured, your complaint will be handled and the offending party will be walking funny or at least need a good pair of crutches. <laughs> Love it. You guys are so original. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thanks again for being on the show with us, Olivia. It's my this has been a lot of fun. Pleasure. Ah, it's been so much fun. I uh I love you guys. I think you're great. And and I'm gonna see you in Monroe, right? You will absolutely awesome. yes, be there. Awesome. Well let's let's uh make a, come up to the table and if I'm doing a panel, I think I may be most definitely yeah. we have to Well, we'll we're doing a lot together. of the panels there as well too. So okay. uh so yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that we that we wave. All right. Well, I'll just tag along like a uh, goofy. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. That's going to conclude us for the funny, uh, funny science for you for the FSF podcast. Goodbye. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF Popcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF Popcast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs>